0: Hello, my fellow Brapentonians, and welcome to Brap Talk. This is a weekly podcast where we discuss the happenings of the motorcycle industry. I am your host, Jensen Beeler, and joining me on this two wheeled adventure is the Duchess of Desmos Adichie, Mr. Shaheen Alvandi. Are you saying Duchess because I'm wearing a gold beret? I take a, take a selfie right now. I did. Right. Well, now I got cut of Kitty in your lap. Oh, damn it. I'm so scared. <laughs> <laughs> She's attracted. So for she
1: likes gold dolls. Also, I don't blame her.
0: Shaheen is wearing a gold beret, but it's not just like a gold beret. It's kind of got like a feathered fish scale. Uh, what do what do you call those sequins? Sequin. It's a sequin That's a, it's a
1: sequined gold beret.
0: Yes, and in and a white t shirt with a rhinestone
1: eagle. Uh, I told you, Shaheen means peregrine falcon, and my mom wanted me to have. My namesake, but apparently bald eagle equals peregrine falcon. I mean, close enough. Equals Hayabusa. Close enough. Yep. I mean, that- Koda Kitty really likes gold. Koda Kitty is all up in it. She is. I've never had a cat this close to my face before.
0: So, Shaheen, this is definitively the last episode of the 2018 year. Yep. We're we're donezo. We're out. Are you sad or happy? Um, Ambivalent? I don't know. I, this has been a crazy year. This was a crazy, busy year for me. Yeah. Um. So I mean, I think I think I got a lot of things done. I think we did a lot of cool things with asphalt and rubber. Uh, we started this podcast, so we that's, started that's this a podcast. positive. Yeah. Um. Yeah, it's kind of been a crazy year. So yeah, I'm gonna go positive. I'll go positive. I'm an optimist. Let's go positive with. It. I like it. I'm the same way. Yeah. I'm pretty stoked to see where 2019 takes me, and takes us, and takes the industry, and all these things. I, I will say like on a negative, just to throw a counterpoint in there, just to be, just to get the Debbie downer kind of out of the way early.
1: Wah, wah.
0: It's not going to be a great year for the industry. Uh, I was leaked some sales numbers not so long ago, and I think we're going to end up about 3% down, 2-3% down industry-wide.
1: Uh, nationally. Yes. Okay.
0: Uh, I think we're going to see growth in Europe. We're obviously going to probably see growth in Southeast Asia and other markets, but. Not things aren't going so well in the United States. And what worries me more about that is the idea that the motorcycle industry basically missed Wow, she's just hissing.
1: Just sitting at, you're just gonna sit here and hiss at me? she's,
0: she's been a little triggered all day. I she's, mean like she's had a day. She's just sitting here and hiss at me? That's just rude, I mean, man. I mean, she just got dinner. I think it's that gold beret.
1: You can't sit here and hiss at me. That's rude. This literally just sitting here hissing at me. Yeah. I hate you. It's this thing. Yeah, it might have been because it was touching her. Oh. Coda Kitty likes wireless technology. Please fix this immediately. I love (laughs) you, cat. Didn't know I was so cheap. You're so cheap. Um,
0: finish my thought. The, the fact that this is going to be another down year for the industry. And we really haven't had any positive, like even the years where we had growth in the last, let's say five years or so, five, six, seven years. Right. Even the years where we had growth, it was really modest. It was like 1%. It was like less than 1%. Really, really modest growth. So it's really more of a flat line. And we've had some years that we've lost a bit. And this is all occurring during an economic boom. And it was really interesting for me the other day. I was reading, you know, obviously, the stock market's like just crashing. Right, we're going exactly. to end up being in a bear market for, for 2018. And there's a lot of signalings that the economy is about to slow down. There's a lot of signals around the world that economies are slowing down. Mm-hmm. So it seems like we're headed kind of towards a, a recession. Natural ebb and flow of it. Yep. Uh not too worried about it, but ebb and flow. But what worries me more is the fact that the motorcycle industry basically stagnated and can and had contrition during an upswing. So what does that mean when we go through like another recession? Or we're gonna have another downswing, so I'm a little, I'm a little worried about that. I'm a little hesitant. I'm a little worried about 2019 in that sort of way. But I'd say, you know, blinders on to the elephant in the room. I'm, I'm pretty optimistic and happy. Do you think I'm, that?
1: Do you think that this might be getting the powers that be in the industry to try to be more creative about what's next? Because nothing really has changed that much in motorcycling. To be honest with you, it's the same style suspension. It's more or less the same style motors. The bodies changed a little bit here and there. Uh, we had a cool company that made electric motors and then, you know, became one of the sad stories of 2018. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I think, yeah, I think that's a good
0: point to bring up. Um, I think the story of Alta, in a larger sense, is a story about this industry because one of the good things about the Great Recession, and I understand, like, I started Asphalt and Rubber at the start of the recession, yeah, that's right. You sure did. Uh, and very much many of the ways the re- the recession caused Asphalt and Rubber because I wasn't able to come out of school and be employed. So I decided to start this as a side thing until I could find employment and then it turned into its own thing. That's like the two second version of the Genesis story of Asphalt and Rubber. And it was good in the sense that it made uh, manufacturers become more. What's the word I'm going to look for? Um, conscientious. Conscientious, strategic, Strate- strategic strategic with their dollars. Because that was the thing. When I started, I would have to pitch people on the internet first. Be like, yeah. hey, listen, there's this whole internet thing. It's not right. just a fad. Maybe your kids use it. And oh, by the way, Asphalt Rumber is a cool thing. You should get on board. But then when they started realizing like, hey, we can't spend the $100,000 marketing budgets with the print magazines. We, we, we've we got a tenth of that size or a, a 1% of that ad budget. And there's still the same expectations on sales. So it's like, how am I going to get more bang for my buck? And then like you know, some you know whiz kid you know
1: guy like me shows up and it's like, hey guys, internet, woohoo! (laughs) And like, you know, that was that must have been a tough battle because you know, the motorcycle industry is always a couple of steps back, and the people that run it are kind of good old fashioned dudes,
0: right? And so I think the the Great Recession forced them to start considering some things that I don't think they would have considered on their own.
1: All of a sudden, internet
0: sites. Web forums, social media starts becoming something they start paying attention to. Yeah. Even though like that's something that other companies and other industries had latched onto, you know, five ten years earlier. Yep. They finally forced the motorcycle people to be like, oh yeah, maybe we should get on that Facebook thing. <laughs> is YouTube? Do people watch YouTube? Is that even a thing? I don't know. I don't understand what Netflix is. <laughs> but so I see that as like a point of pain that caused change in the industry. What I don't see. Is this point of pain that we're having now? This slump in sales in the US and the US is an outlier. You watch you watch Europe, which is probably our most analogous market. Yep. And they're having pretty consistent growth. It's not blowing the barn doors off. It's not but they're not going backwards. They're not coming back to recession, pre-recession numbers, but they're they're they took their hit and they're building back up. Right. And we're not doing that. And you have to ask yourself why. And you start looking at you look at things like I think Alta is a great example. You look mm-hmm. at things like at Alta. And you just go like, why, why, why wasn't there more investment into this company? Why didn't someone pick it up? Yeah. You know, and now, and now that it's kind of collapsed, why isn't someone trying to pick up those pieces? And, and like the f- commerce of that is look at like something like Scully, which was a total disaster and totally mismanaged. But why wasn't someone more sophisticated involved with that? Why? Why was that the way it was? And so you look at some of these, these kind of technology companies in the motorcycle space and they fail. And I think it's just, like at the end of the day, I think it's just the conservative nature of the motorcycle industry. And, and like America, we, we, we do it for ourselves.
1: Though. Yeah. We, we're this, I mean, like, like many problems in the world, you have to try and find what the root of it is. And once you find the root of it, you realize it's, it's buried so many layers deep that you can't take care of the immediate thing i mean you can it'll just handle whatever is going on right now but it'll not handle what's going on in the big picture so what i'm getting at is that motorcycling in america north america typically is viewed as at as a a hobby right right recreation it's it's, it's, it's a cons- recreational it's thing it's consumer
0: discretionary income exactly yeah. so
1: as long as it's looked at like that it's going to be difficult for companies to you know convince somebody to dump a
0: bunch of money in there but it shouldn't be because because that's that's kind of my point where if the economy is booming if everyone's like unemployment's at a record low if wages are finally starting to go up if the stock market's going insane you know we should see that translating into other sales and we see it in other segments we see it we see it in consumer spending you know all the consumer indexes are showing increased spending we just had our best one of our best Christmases ever for mm. retail spaces, right. I believe.
1: Um, There's a little bit of a price discretion there too. Though. The difference between the price of a, say, the iPad in your hands and the motorcycle in your garage.
0: Yeah, but the high yeah. tide raises all. Is, that's I guess fair. That's the point I'm trying to make. That's you fair.
1: Know. I, I I I get what you're saying. I totally agree with you. I just having been in the retail side of the industry, it's it's really weird to watch people's reaction to how do they how they spend money. Although motorcycles are viewed as viewed at as a uh you know a discretionary income thing people when they buy it they treat it the same way as they treat a car so the mentality behind buying a motorcycle is almost the same as going and buying your toyota corolla
0: yes and no um i think the buying experience is like buying your toyota i don't think <laughs> but like it it buying a motorcycle really isn't any different than buying a bicycle when you get when you get down to it, at that point, because yeah, some people in the United States use bicycles for transportation. Some people use motorcycles for transportation. Right, but by and large, we use them for recreation. Whether it's downhill mountain biking, road biking, cycle cross, tandem bikes, e bikes, whatever whatever your jam is, yeah, you're probably using it more for an entertainment recreation thing than you are a transportation thing. And I think it's the same. And I think that split is probably the same for motorcycles. And and they're two wheels, and they're very Similar in a lot of regards. Obviously, motorcycles came from bicycles. Right. So we decided one day to put a motor on a bicycle, and wow, that was kind of cool. Um, But the buying experience for those two things is very different. I'd actually be curious to see what bicycle sales are doing right now. I have a feeling they're up, though.
1: Yeah, I wonder. I wonder. We have a couple of friends that own bicycle companies, so I'd be curious to see where they're at. But, like breadwinners, in here in Portland, I mean that's a high end bicycle company, but yeah, I'm curious to see how that works out for Tony that owns the company because you know those are not cheap at all, not even a little. Right? Yeah, and these e bikes are coming
0: out; they're not cheap. No, um, and and they go easily into you know budget motorcycle territory. So, but the thing to answer your question, Shaheen, I think we learned a lesson in the recession. I don't think we learned a lesson in the economic growth period that we just had, and that's what worries me you know we saw we saw the recession come and things can tr- you know got times got tough yeah but we saw come out of that a big push for manufacturers to build 250 cc bikes small displacement bikes like the small displacement sector like got huge you know the the ninja 250 finally got updated after like 30 years <laughs> of remaining the, news, the same right. and then it became the ninja 300 and then it became the ninja the 400. 400 and it's just you know it's just <laughs> kind of blowing up And Honda and Suzuki and everyone else, KTM, all jumped on board. Yep. Um, even Ducati has a small displacement uh, bike. Small. (laughs) I mean, it still weighs like 500 pounds, but whatever. Um, that's not 500. What is it? Like 450? uh, 420. I
1: think, I think it's actually around 400 pounds. Low fours. Low fours. Yeah. But it's a 399cc bike. I'm not going to say anything. (laughs) Um, your silence says plenty.
0: But, so I think we learned a lesson there. I don't think we learned a lesson here. And I think, I think Alt is a great example of that. We didn't, we didn't learn a lesson. We're not really planning for the future. We're not really planning for the next generation of motorcyclists. Right. Now, and this is something I wanted to get to later in the show. I do see some brands, like, I feel like Harley Davidson's maybe looking at things going like, hey guys, we got to do something different. Yeah. I think their, their motivations and their pressures are a little bit different than the industry as a whole, but still very endemic of it. Um... Some brands I think maybe are
1: are doing more than others, but I think some of the larger companies like Harley and maybe Yamaha are looking at the future and saying, All right, we need to put money aside for investment on this the next episode. Well, that was one of the like the the not
0: one of the newsy things I wanted to talk about today on the show, but it was, was one that came up is, you know, Yamaha set aside a hundred million correct to invest in startups. Now, a hundred million over ten years isn't like a huge amount of money in the terms of investment, but it's something. Yeah. You know, that's the thing that always surprises me is like, we don't see more news about, you know, motorcycle manufacturers or those conglomerates acquiring other things. Polaris is really the only one I see doing things yeah. like that. And that always surprises me because there's a lot of tech out there. There's a lot of people doing innovative things. And I think motorcycle manufacturers in the end of the day are just kind of, con- are just kind of set and continuing to do things the way they've always been doing it. And that's the lesson I feel like that hasn't been learned.
1: And that's been the way with motorcycling forever. And it's, it's, a. Uh it's going to take a company like Alta to kind of be the bleeding edge and hopefully survive somehow. So, um, go good.
0: I was just going to say, do you think Alta proved that market or killed that market?
1: I I think Alta proved it. I think Alta showed what can be made and it it took a little bit of creative marketing for them to you know prove to people that these things can do what you know what they promised to do. I Maybe that's my optimism talking, right? Because now you've got companies like Harley looking at it and saying, hey, maybe that is the future. Maybe we need to start looking at alternative uh, fuel systems on these motorcycles. It's, it's, But I'm going to go back to what I said in the beginning. My biggest fear is that as long as we view it as a recreational toy, like a bicycle, well, if you're going to st- slap a price tag of over $4,000 for a toy, then it's not going to be taken very seriously because it's still a toy. Whereas a really if you go to toy. Europe or Asia it is looked at as an actual mode of transportation, first and foremost. And so you see a lot more small displacement vehicles down there, small, small displacement motorcycles and big scooters. And it, it creates less traffic. It creates better flow. And so in America, we only have one state that sort of looks at it as, oh, okay, we, we can sort of let people you know filter through traffic and can, cut, cut down on the huge amount of congestion that we already have. For some reason, the rest of the country isn't looking at it that way, and that I think is one of the biggest problems we have that you see in the, in, the, in the industry here, because the the road management isn't going out there and marketing, you know, a alternative way for you to tra- you know get around in America, because nobody wants to get on you know public transit. You you don't see as many people on buses as you do in cars in big, huge cars that are just driving by themselves in that thing. So motorcycles are to me the rational answer to all that. And if somehow the powers that be would be able to push that, I bet it would grow here. It's such a huge uh, market, but yeah. it's barely tapped. What is again? We talked about this last time. It's like three percent of Americans ride motorcycles.
0: No, I think, I think the United States is very underserved. And I think we have only the motorcycle. I was going to say the motorcycle manufacturers. I don't know if I put it all at their feet. I'm going to blame the MIC, which yep. is the motorcycle manufacturers, yep. but I'm also going to blame the AMA. Um, cause I think at the end of the day, we just have bad stewards for this industry.
1: We do. And that's, that's really, that, that is actually the perfect way of putting it. We have a lot of really, really bad stewards. And unfortunately, instead of whoever's above them looking at this going, wow, there needs to be new, fresh eyes on it, new, fresh ears to listen about it, new, fresh mouths to talk about it. It just stays and becomes stagnant and it becomes what we're looking at right now. So we're going to go into another year with not great numbers compared to the rest of the world. Meanwhile, we talk about ourselves as a country that spends a lot of money. We do a lot of this. We do a lot of that. So you're right. You know, if you look at it in the same light as you would say bicycle sales, we should be killing it right now. We should should be celebrating how what a huge growth we've had as a motorcycle industry, especially with with a lot of these manufacturers looking at smaller displacement bikes, you know, looking at cheaper uh, alternatives that you don't have to spend a ton of money on. Um, So... My hope is that maybe at some point somebody will look at this and go, you know what, we need to start dealing with this in a different way as opposed to being reactive. I think proactivity is going to be key here, but it's going to take a bunch of us having this conversation for it to get loud enough for the manufacturers and the, and everybody else to say, okay, we need to do something about this.
0: Yeah, Yeah. We've had eight years of economic growth. We've had eight years of basically stagnant motorcycle sales. If that's not a red flag to the motorcycle industry, I don't know what it is. Just full I stop. agree.
1: Yeah. It, it's, it scares me. It just doesn't enthusiast. It scares me because, you know, I don't, I don't want motorcycles to be the next horse, right? That you just uh, like kind of buy and play with once in a while and then don't even think about.
0: And then when you're done with it, you turn it into hamburger. That's it. And it's delicious.
1: Oh man, horse meat is good. Yeah. You got to go to France for it though. Yeah. Yeah. They're all about
0: it. Uh, wow. Um, so that was, that was a, a rabbit hole. I wasn't expecting. It,
1: this is the show. We should have just named the show <laughs> "Rabbit Hole." Rabbit Hole. <laughs> Why didn't Rabbit Hole? Rabbit Hole. <gasps> we, we missed the mark. We did not. We've only done four shows. It's not too late. 2019, the year of Rabbit Rabbit Hole. Rabbit Hole.
0: <laughs> I feel. Oh man, I don't feel like you can bring that up in like common conversation. Did you listen to the Rabbit Hole podcast? <laughs> what did you just say? You heard me. S- excuse me? <laughs> Do I need a safe word before I turn it on? <laughs>
1: Rabbit hole where you should buckle up before you listen to it.
0: Um Well what I what I did want to talk to you about before we got going was I wanted to see what two little adventures you've been up to. Because it's been
1: it's been kind of rainy and poopy. It's here. been sort of rainy and poopy and I, I spent the last week since we spoke in Florida. Oh yeah. By the way, Florida, um, if you've never had the pleasure of driving on I ninety five in the, let's say, the West Palm Beach to Miami region, South Florida, people drive like maniacs. There's this crazy, I, I call it the oil and water mixture of blue hair old people driving their giant cars mm. and then, like, the younger school people mm-hmm. driving their whatever the hell they want to drive. Mm-hmm. And the way they drive is so unbelievably different from each other yes. that it's like trying to mix water and oil together. Yes. And so there's always, I-95, actually, every road in Florida is pretty much a straight line. There's, they don't know what a curve looks like. Um, and yet you see so many cars spun out and crashed in the ditch on the side, hitting walls. And every time I see it, I kind of scratch my head and go, "You, you were, you were going straight. How did you? How did this happen?" And then you drive in the highway and go, "Oh, I see what's going on here. Everybody drives like it's a Formula One car race, and they have to drift each other, draft each other, draft, draft. each other. They have to draft each other, and then they have to pass each other within like inches of their bumpers. And in the middle of all this, you've got a Bunch of motorcyclists who don't wear any gear. I'm not kidding with you. Flip flops and tank top is the like the standard ride your stretched out ZX14 gear down there. And these guys and girls go just as fast as everybody else, if not more aggressively, to get the hell out of the way. And it's like, holy shit, Florida, how are you doing this? So, yeah, I got to go to Florida and watch the maniacs ride around on their motorcycles. And every so often, you have like one person wearing all the gear, and everybody's staring at them, like, "Oh, dude, are dude, you hot?" Yeah, aren't you? Aren't you hot? Aren't you sweating in there? <laughs> it's like oh, I don't even know. <laughs> like <laughs> they look like aliens. It's amazing to see somebody that's traveling to Florida from out of state with all their gear on. They just look like aliens. Yeah, it's amazing, especially with the helmet on. Especially with the helmet on and a ge- and a jacket and what are these things in your hands? Good, good, good gloves.
0: How do you say that word? What I don't understand is when you see someone in all their gear,
1: but no gloves. You know, when you fall down, you put your hands behind you. You yeah. don't naturally put your hands out when you fall down. Like,
0: have you never seen
1: what salsa <laughs> looks like? That's what your hands are going to look like when you hit the ground. It's People forget how soft and mushy we are. I think oh. everybody forgets that in Florida. Maybe the maybe the gravity's lower there and you don't hit the ground so hard, but mm. I doubt that's the case. Well, everything's built on the marshland, so it's it, not is. it has a little give. It's when you walk, yeah. It's like it's like walking around the a- like a little trampoline. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I got to I stopped at a Florida uh uh Ducati dealership in South Florida. I don't want to name names, but dang man. Like remember that that conversation we had about what dealerships should do and what buyers should do? Yeah. These people skipped it altogether. Yeah. I walked in there with a Ducati shirt on. Was is a it's a, a Ducati time. Triumph BMW dealership. Okay. And not only was I not said hello to by anybody, by any of, the, I don't know, 10 people that worked there, they kind of were annoyed with me for being in their way because I was looking at a motorcycle. And the guy just looks at me like, excuse me. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Let me get out of your way for so you can get to whatever you're trying to get to. But also they had zero apparel, really. I mean, they had apparel, but like. Like, their helmet wall had, like, a couple of helmets on it. Well, probably because they know their market. I mean, yeah, no, one, no, one, no one's buy buying it. Exactly. That's just taking up space, Shaheen. Yeah, so it kind of kind of bummed me out a little bit, man, I, uh, to see these people kind of be like, eh, there's a dude here looking at... And I rolled in on a Mercedes. My mom drives a fancy silver Mercedes, and it's like... I mean, I look like the person who might buy a motorcycle. I mean, and you show up with that gold beret. And gold, and that beret. The gold beret. I gold beret would t-shirt. do it, but I guess... Not. I mean, what else does I want to buy a Ducati if more that than a doesn't gold beret? Money, I don't know what does. Nothing. Nothing at all. <laughs> I, maybe I need a gold chain, a big fat one. Oh yeah, that's where you went wrong. It says I'm buying. I'm buying. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyways, uh yeah, I, I really actually didn't get to ride at all last week. I'm a little bit bummed about that. I was in Florida and and uh nobody that I know down there has a motorcycle. Well, oh, that's not true. All my friends are in Orlando and they all have motorcycles, but I was in South Florida. So I got to swim in the ocean. That was nice. Oh, yeah, that's not bad. Yep. Uh, that being said, before I left, I you were there for it, but we got we changed the wheel, tires on my Alta. Yes. I have a more aggressive set of tires for all this mush that we have out here now. Uh, you, get, some, you got
0: some Dunlops up there. Some yeah.
1: Dunlops, yeah. I don't remember what they were. I'll have to look it up. AX somethings. I don't it was a down. They were. They were told to me, uh, they were recommended to me by someone that I trust highly. And uh, I'm excited to go out there, hopefully... Uh, maybe even tomorrow I'll try and go out and play a little Ooh. bit. My wife has to work I have to, so Ooh. I'm going to go out and play maybe in the dirt tomorrow and get a little dirty. There you go. Yeah, try out these tires. Break them in. Right on. Make some noise. I'll I'll sing. The bike makes no <laughs> noise. Well, I spent my
0: uh, my leisure time trying to come up with a race livery for the Kramer. I saw the picture. Didn't go very well. I, let, let's put it this way. Just, just get it out in front of it. There is no worry in the motorcycle design sector that that I will be coming in and making a fuss.
1: I, I had a question for you, and I didn't get to ask it earlier while I was in Florida. But were you watching like Breakfast at Tiffany's or something? I mean, there are some no, colors man. there that are they're pretty.
0: No, that's Patronus theme, man. Foggy Patronus. Uh,
1: I know what it is, but dang, dude,
0: looks good. <laughs> it looks good. So I, I sent it to a couple of design friends in the industry. And my favorite piece of feedback was this is so bad. It's <laughs> it's not even a matter of taste. It's objectively bad. Um so then I decided, like, well, I'm gonna put this on Instagram and people can see my handiwork. <laughs> and um should have put it on a meme generator. I'm I'm happy to say that the asphalt and rubber readership does not hold back their punches. So <laughs> that's good. But I think we're making I think we're making some progress. I made some iterations. Maybe I can. I think i can send one you know to you.
1: i, I <clears throat> this is gonna come up shocking to you yeah but that particular color blue yeah it's like a powder it's like a it's almost a teal really i think it's a beautiful color now all jokes aside i think between the white and that blue if you added some gold <laughs> seriously i'm gonna go home and put this on and then maybe some gold wheels i guarantee you this thing would be like popping
0: yeah I, yeah i mean how could you go wrong with gold wheels? Especially with this Tiffany blue color you got going. Yeah, I think that could, that could actually look. Pretty that would great. actually look. Good. No, that would actually look decent. Is it? A little we'll gold, find, a little we'll find gold the color line wheel.
1: to separate the white and the teal, and then gold wheels. Yeah. Uh, this thing would actually be gorgeous. Yeah. So I would probably change the frame color for that.
0: Which which color is in that photo? Is green, it green still. Yeah, yeah. There's been some. So here's the thing: if I keep it green, then I don't have to to do any more work. I can just go get the bodywork painted. If I if I oh, okay. don't want the green frame, then I gotta continue taking the bike all apart. Oh.
1: And it's like two thirds of the way done. Am my... I? I mean, I'll come over and we'll have a couple of buddies over. We'll get that thing apart in like no time.
0: It's like almost done. You want to do it after the show? We can do it. Okay. Um. So that, that that was my project. It, it it's interesting to see. Like, I wouldn't say I'm completely blind to design things because I do a lot of the stuff for for A and R and. I built websites when I was younger, but it is interesting to see the unique challenge that motorcycles present. Mm -hmm. And it definitely gives me a new appreciation of what industrial designers have to do when it comes to automotive design. It's, it's, it's very easy to be a critic. It's not so easy to actually be a creator. That
1: I, I agree
0: 100% with that. And that's, that's like all things. It's like those who teach,
1: those who cannot do teach. Like (laughs) that's like the old joke for like college professors. Right. You got opinions about it, but I don't see you doing anything about it. I, I really truly think if we change the color of the frame to something else, maybe even white. I actually think a white frame for this so, would look really so, well. I'm sending you
0: like pictures while we're talking. Okay, I don't think you're getting them.
1: So I got, I got you
0: covered. I got all your thoughts already. Already didn't. I probably made I about a, eleven ooh, red frame. You like the red frame Go looks on. good, right? Yep. And some more blue, blue. This yeah, is it horrible. is a, see, this the, horrible. The thing is, radio. I, actually,
1: I actually like the other. I like the blue that you have on asphalt and rubbers. Instagram. That that Tiffany teal blue. That's actually a real classic color. Foggy
0: Patronus, sir. Foggy Patronus.
1: I'm saying Tiffany blue because people listening might know that one. That's a color everybody knows.
0: We're a motorcycle podcast. I think <sighs> I think our listenership is more familiar with the Foggy Patronus superbike than they are the colors of Tiffany's jewelry. My wife listens. You know
1: which one she knows better? Foggy ha- Patronus. Hashtag T Man. <laughs> hashtag T Man. T Man, exactly. That's gonna be my shirt. Hashtag T Man. So, anyways, Tiffany Blue. <laughs> Yikes! Um, I I like it. I think the frame just needs a little bit of uh, talking about what colors are going to be and the wheels. I think if we're going to go with that Foggy Patronus look, gold wheels, a little gold to highlight huh. on the body, and a white frame, that'd be there. gorgeous. Yeah,
0: it, it's it's progress, not perfection.
1: That's 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 what I like. I love progress before perfection. So we'll see. But um,
0: if if you're listening to the show and you haven't seen my handiwork. Take a look at the, uh, asphalt. Actually, let's put up on the, on the rap talk, um, Instagram. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll send you a bunch of the different mockups I did and, and we can let our listeners I'm gonna vote, do that as we speak. So that when their, this comes out, it'll be up there. Well, I got to send you a bunch of different things. Send them, baby. Okay. Send them. They're on my laptop, but we'll do it later. Um, but I'd be, I'd be curious to see. People can see what's going on. Um, pretty secure in the fact that I won't be doing this professionally anytime soon. It's really not bad. You
1: know, I didn't think it was that bad. There, there was bad definitely
0: some strong reactions.
1: I think it's the problem is it's a little bit bland looking. And because you have just a color for a majority of the bike, and so when you're just looking at a side profile and you do a color, it's going to look boring. Yeah. You know, people want to see, I don't know, dragons and tattoos yeah. and shit.
0: And I don't have a number plate on there. I don't have like sponsors right. and all the other And I it'll, think, it'll I think it's going to come out good. don't get there.
1: I just... I, I'm going to take back anything negative I may have connotated. That I like the first design that you put on Asphalt Rubbers uh, Instagram.
0: I like your your flip flopping on this.
1: I'll flip flop. All I want. <laughs> I do what I want.
0: Um, there's not a lot of newsy things to talk about today. Um, it's been a really slow week since since Christmas, which is when
1: we got the last podcast out. Um, there was one thing I wanted to talk about okay what do you got i saw a little thing on facebook about ducati doing a dirt bike and it was one of the first things you and i talked about on the first episode i believe we were talking about what ducati could do next and you brought up a company that that sort of tm
0: racing yes tm
1: racing exactly
0: what did you see on facebook
1: I'm i'm going to find it right now was it the story that i wrote might have been the story that you wrote, because <laughs> I did write.
0: So after our conversation on the on the podcast, I did write a in our Pro story. Um, I kind of dived my thoughts a little bit deeper into into the issue. I, I think it's a winning idea. I think there's, and this kind of comes back to what we were talking about earlier in the show when we started, Shaheen. Okay. Um, talking about kind of what's going to happen in the industry in the next year, few years. I really do think, and I think because because we haven't learned these lessons. I really do think we're going to see a consolidation of brands. Yep. Um, I think we're not going to have four Japanese motorcycle brands 10 years from now. I don't think we're going to have, uh, as many European brands. Um, I don't know what the American landscape looks like. I think, let me, let me put it to you this way. In any mature market, typically there is three to four major brands. Right. And that's how you know it's a mature market. And the motorcycle industry really isn't like that. There's like 11 or 12 fairly major brands. Correct. You know, depending on how you want to count them. And so I do think we're going to see some, some acquisitions, some mergers, some brands going away, some people shutting down business, some people shifting business into something else. And that kind of is, you know, the backing for this idea of, you know, well, why doesn't Ducati have like a motorcycle brand? Not Ducati. The brand, Ducati Motor Holding, why doesn't Ducati Motor Holding have a dirt bike brand underneath it? Right. Or say a cruiser brand underneath it? Um, You know, much has, MV Agusta is kind of doing things with the Kajiva brand. You know, the Kajiva brand is going to be their off-road brand. It's going to be their electric brand. So MV Agusta can remain their sport bike brand. And, you know, MV Agusta Motor Holding, I'm not actually sure if that's what their parent company is called. I think it's just Yeah, Yeah. MV Agustin Motor. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, they could, they could bring in a third brand on top of that. So I think that's a strategy we're going to see going forward because I think it's not going to be possible for, um, you know, these, these kind of niche entities to operate by themselves.
1: I think that's going to be sort of the natural cycle of, of any, you know, any retail market. After a while, a couple of big companies are going to own majority of everything. A lot of these companies yeah. are, can't necessarily afford to be in business. And if if the – I get that America is not all of the world by a long shot, but we are a huge buying con- uh, 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 power, right? And if the motorcycling industry isn't doing that well here, then a lot of these manufacturers are going to have to look at how they're approaching a large market like America. How are we going to change things? Are we going to come out with new things or are we going to do things the old-fashioned way where – you're having to take away bits and pieces that aren't, you know, selling as much anymore. Yeah, it's interesting.
0: So you just sent me this this story you found on Facebook, right? So I've never heard of this publication, which I haven't either. And I think it's, it's be, clickbait, which is total clickbait. But I do recognize this photo that you're that they're making a. So they're, what they're saying: Ducati motocross bike resurfaces. Um, the photo they're using is a render from an Italian designer called Oberdon Bezi. Okay, and he does a lot of these kind of. He'll take a brand and do like he'll, a what if? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've seen publications pick up his work before. I was like, Hey, it's a concept sketch from Ducati. It got leaked. <laughs> right. And this, this seems exactly that. So this looks like total clickbait to me. Like, I think someone read, truthfully, I think someone read my story and was like, Oh, there's a render out
1: there. And that's let's, what I've sort of, let's, sort of that's put what I'm thinking. Get, let's piece it together. That's exactly what I was thinking. Cause we, we talked about it. You wrote a story. And then I started seeing it pop up on a bunch of different, uh, Ducati owners clubs. And it was pretty much the exact same rendering that I've seen so far. It's the, a one, yeah. And so I wanted to kind of bring it past you and be like, "Hey, look what you did!" Yeah.
0: Truthfully, <laughs> like it is sad how often this is how the news gets made in the industry. <laughs> Gene, I think we were discussing before the show big topic idea for today. Yep. Our favorite moments from 2018. Yeah, our 2018 in retrospect. Since since we literally have like I think one. We we're probably by the time this podcast drops. There's probably hours left in the year. <sighs> We're probably just moments away from midnight. Because let's be honest, I'm going to take my sweet time getting this I, out.
1: You know, you you are very good at making me just bite my nails at waiting to see when the podcast comes out. So this one, you really should wait. Like I know, it, I think what's going to happen is since I'm throwing a party tomorrow, you're going to come to my house. Are you going to release it while you're at the house? Because that'd be funny.
0: Nah. Well, I mean, we we could we could. I'll probably get it <laughs> done before then, though.
1: I don't, want to be, I don't want to be editing podcasts in your going to be like eight, seven, six, release. Podcast drop, podcast <laughs> drop, podcast <laughs> drop. Podcast is up. Lightning bolt, lightning bolt. <laughs> oh. Well, I, you know, 2018 was an interesting year. Uh, a couple of big things happened. Some good, some not good. And I think they were worth talking about. I'd, I'd made a whole list and then Google decided to eat my homework. <laughs> <laughs> The struggle is real. Struggle Israel, man. Google, you fuck me today. I just no, want you to know that. Not struggle Israel, struggle Israel. Struggle Israel. Oh, man,
0: I can't unhear it.
1: Is it because I'm Middle Eastern and it sounds like I'm saying struggle Israel?
0: It does, I mean, let's just be really clear. you want, me want No struggling sense? in Israel.
1: <laughs> Depends on who the you Shah are. The Shah
0: of Brap has no problems with the good people of Israel. I love
1: Israelis. Oh, good food. So good food. I'm one of those people who likes both sides of that coin—the Israeli versus Palestinian thing. I've had both people as my friends. I've had both their foods. I've had everything, and I'm—I'm I'm one of those like half naive people. Like, what's the problem?
0: Problem because is the UN. You as guys a, all as seem a former nice. Former employee of the United Nations. <laughs> the problem is the UN, and let's just leave it at that. <laughs> I think everybody's so nice. We all just want to ride motorcycles together. That would be a kind of cool place to go ride motorcycles. I would love to. All right, tell me tell me if you can remember your notes. Tell me your your number one from this year.
1: Um it was the same as what you actually posted because I was sort of thinking about it was how the you know the the emperor's new clothes as I was thinking of and then you named it Harley's new clothes, I think. Yeah. I was like, "Sweet, awesome. We're in the same same place." Uh as much as I made fun of Harley and their new most of their new designs, I love and appreciate the fact that they are doing something different. This is a company that makes motorcycles for people who are inherently conservative in their thought process of they do not like change. And so for them to take such a drastic change and turn, it's like, hey, we're going to make a a giant adventure motorcycle because BMW is making one. It's like, all right, weird looking, but I like where you're going. I mean, something interesting could happen there. Something could. uh, If Harley could retain, let's say, even half the people that would buy a street glide and then also want to be able to go anywhere. And so they go and and frankly, they're just going to go to the grocery store anyways, but they're going to go to BMW and and throw down $25,000 for an R 1200 GSA. Why not make something that that person would say, well, I'm already with this company. I'm already loyal because Harley buyers are a bunch of loyal people. So why not try and retain that buyer from going away to a German brand to sticking with their, with the, uh, bar and shield. So I like what they're doing. I like their ideas. I think some of their designs still need work, as we've seen, let's say with your design work, but that's how it works, man. Perfect, <laughs> um, singer! For, progress, progress, not perfection so yeah, yeah I, I, I made I made fun of it our our dearest friend Steve, who by the way, I found out Steve Cameron had listened to this. He got really excited that he heard his name. um
0: well, he's getting excited twice now,
1: right. Steve Camrad. Anyways, um, buy T T-shirt. <laughs> he made a lot of fun of it on his Instagram, and I spent probably hours laughing at the shit he wrote about it. But deep down inside, he might even agree with this thing. It's good to see a company do something different, and so that to me was one of the most exciting things of 2018 to see that.
0: I think. I think if there's one story, um, one overarching story, it's got to be Harley Davidson. Yeah, and I think, truth be told, and I. Sounds a little sensational, but I truly believe this. It's not just the most important story of the year, Shaheen. It's the most important story of the decade of the last 10 years. Yeah. Because one, Harley Davidson is 50% of the big bike market in the US. It's yep. Roughly 25% of the total market in the US. And understand they're 25% of the total market in the US, and they're in only one out of what, seven major segments? Exactly. So not even competing in the off road sector, not even competing in the sport bike sector, not even competing in the dual sports sector and all these other things, and you're still a quarter of the total market, you're still half of the big bike sales. You, you, again, you don't you have nothing smaller than what's their smallest bike? Uh an eight eight six?
1: No. Uh, they got no, rid of the now, now it's the street five hundred. So oh, that's that little, oh you're right. The yeah, the five hundred and seventy. Which nobody buys. They just use that for for their training I classes. Don't even consider those motorcycles. <laughs> But you don't. So like you don't really
0: have anything. But like the core Harley, you're right. The the 883. You really don't have anything. Well, you, let's be fair. You don't have anything under 500. Period. But you don't really have anything under 800 cc's.
1: Right. So. But that's all about to change. That's That all about new about to motor change. platform that they have.
0: So that's the whole thing. So for them to be like, hey, we're gonna we're gonna change the way we look about things. We're not gonna go chasing the baby boomer def- demographic anymore. You were talking about the adventure bike, like, oh, well, maybe this helps keep in a. A uh, customer in the brand because right. they're not going to go to BMW. They're not building that bike though for their current customer. They're building that bike for for someone like you and I, yeah, who's in the adventure market, who's going to be in motorcycling in another twenty or thirty years. That's a, that's, so a, that's
1: a conquest design is what they're doing. Yeah. They're trying to bring in. I love that. I actually really now you know if you're going to look at them at this as this huge large evil company, then great. They're going to bring in more buyers, but someone's got to do it, man. Someone's got to think outside the box. And if it's if it's Harley, who like I said. Typically has a conservative buyership. They're looking at those consumers and going, they're all dying out. They're all getting old. They're not buying anymore. Let's figure out who's buying next. And so, in the next five, ten years, we're going to see a lot of changes with that company. And I'm, I'm, you're right. I think it's probably one of the most, if not the most important story of decade.
0: They're coming out an electric bike next year. You know, and they're they're literally going to be the first motorcycle manufacturer. To come out with a full size
1: electric motorcycle. I have a really good idea for a Harley with that electric bike. All right, let's hear it. All right, this is for free, Harley. Superchargers in every Harley dealership, as in like a charging station, the way Tesla does. Oh, it. yeah. If they did a fast charging station in every Harley dealership in North America, you could connect the dots. Dude, then Asphalt and Rubber or Brap Talk can grab a pair of these bikes and go cross country on them. Boom. And you had dealer to dealer to dealer because there is a Harley dealer in every city. I did have to go to a Harley Davidson
0: dealership this last week.
1: It was an interesting experience. Okay, tell me.
0: Um, I mean, it was yeah. I mean, it's just how do I describe it? It's just. Did you buy a sleeveless shirt? No, but the uh, number didn't, didn't of on you then. branded items that are for sale there and just little knickknacks and tchotchkes and yeah. all the things, I was like, this is a whole nother thing. But that's the beauty of the brand. That's why it's so powerful. And that's why it's such a big deal of what's going on. The fact that Harley-Davidson is looking at electrics, that they're looking at adventure bikes, that they're going to look at new riders and female riders and minority riders and and basically take their entire business and question everything that they're doing is a huge freaking deal. Absolutely, And then – From that comes all these other things where you see them have this entire electric motorcycle roadmap that goes from literally electric bicycles to mopeds to small displacement motorcycles to full displacement motorcycles and their equivalents. Right. And and what that can mean for the brand. And then, you know, from that story, we get the Harley Harley Davidson investing in Alta story. We get the Harley Davidson and Alta breakup story. We get the Alta uh, closing its doors story. We get the Harley Davidson opening up an R and D facility in Silicon Valley story. I mean, there's so many, there's so many things kind of under this umbrella that if you, if you can find a bigger story than than that, then I the, got a can of Mountain Dew for you.
1: I mean, we have one more day left of 2018, so shit could happen. Who knows? But, but yeah, I mean, that's I literally just much. like
0: hold my beer, Honda. Yep.
1: So yeah, I think I think that was probably my favorite story of the year. Uh, just because of, I, I love seeing progress. I love seeing outside the box thinking, and kudos for Harley for doing that. Because that that takes a lot for a company like that that has the kind of buyers that they have to say, you know what, we're going to change everything around. Um, and that doesn't mean they're not going to make what they've always made. Harley's still going to be that, right? It's like Porsche came up with a SUV that didn't they didn't give up the 911. It saved the 911, right? So this is this is going to be what's going to save the big iron Harley uh, to have something like that. Um, but you know, that was my favorite story, which segues to my least favorite story, which was Alta. Yeah. You know, I really, I, I, I get that it takes a lot of money and really good management to make a company like that work. I, I can't even imagine all the cogs that require turning to, to, to make a global motorcycle company, at least of all the amount of money it takes to do it. So, you know, I know a lot of people listening and reading stories about it wanted to point their fingers at Harley and say, see, that's what happens when Harley gets involved with you. But I don't think Harley was the... It may have been the straw that broke the camel's back, but I think there was a lot more happening behind the scenes.
0: No, yeah. I don't think I don't think you can place that one at Harley. And then, truthfully, I don't place Buell's demise at Harley's uh, footsteps. Um... Because at the end of the day, Buell was a struggling brand that was was not profitable on its own, and Harley made a smart business decision during one of the worst economic crises of our time. Um, But it's the same thing with with uh, with Alta. I don't know if that's Harley Davidson's fault. I don't know. I think
1: I don't think it helped, but I don't think it, it was the the reason for the demise. I think the reason for the, truthfully, the reason
0: for the demise is they're, they were undercapitalized. You need to have a hundred million dollars to start a motorcycle company. Right. Just, just roughing the figures. Yeah, you can bootstrap it. Yeah, you can, you can get creative, but at the end of the day, like it takes a lot of money. Like look at, look at Tesla and how much money that's cost Elon Musk, you know, and they're (laughs) just now starting to, to break even. They're just now starting to show a profit. Um, look at, look at, I was just reading this thing the other day. Look at Uber and Lyft. You know, these huge services that just about everyone uses. Right. They don't make money. No. Lyft says they're on track to start making money soon. But, you know, look at the market penetration they have. Look at the users, you user base that they right. have. Look at the, the industry that they're disrupting and they're still not making a profit. That's interesting. No, it
1: costs, it costs a lot of money to run these businesses. It,
0: it takes a lot. So I think, I think in a way, like, and I wrote, and I wrote about, a little bit about this. The Alta story is not an uncommon story in Silicon Valley. You know, company for a really good idea, really good team, making a really good product, just not enough money to get it done. And you know, truthfully, I think they didn't navigate the investing waters effectively. And and that's almost more important than than having like a raft to go down that that river in the first place. Yeah. So you know, and that and that's the other of day. Like, there's there's so many. Tech startups in Silicon Valley that die because of not navigating the term sheet in a, in, in a sophisticated way. Yeah. And I think. I think at the end of the day, that's what what happened to Alta. I think they they just didn't navigate that water well. Um, Do you think if they
1: had managed it differently, it would have? T- I mean, there's a lot of what ifs, right? We can what if this to death, but um, you know the basic the basic philosophy of business is this: it takes two things to run a business successfully, money and good management. And if you're missing one or the other, you're fucked. So here's here's a
0: here's a uh a motorcycle analogy for you. Okay. That was told to me once by Jason Pridmore. Oh, okay. And we were talking about grip and we're talking about tires and picking tires and, and all these things and and crashing. And he goes, I have never seen a motorcycle crash itself. I've never seen a motorcycle tire crash on its own. Right. I've seen riders. Push a tire beyond what its capabilities were. I've seen riders, you know, push a motorcycle or or misuse a motorcycle and cause it to crash. And I think it's the same thing at the end of the day where um, a tech startup doesn't just crash on its own. Correct. You know, it doesn't succeed on its own either. It, it's it's the management behind it. The buck stops there at the end of the day. And yep. that's not to say that they did anything grossly wrong. I can't sit here and be like, well, I should have done this instead of that. <laughs> But at the end of the day, that's that's what it is. I've never seen a tire crash on its own. I've never seen a company, you know, just go out of business for no good reason. Um and you know, that's that's a that's a tough pill to swallow.
1: The story I would love to see in 2019 is either somebody picks up the buck where Alta left it off with Alta or they buy the technology and name it something else. I know you'd written that maybe it was BRP that kind of yeah, a lot was of the my, ones that pulled out.
0: Yeah, a lot of my sources are telling me that it was BRP was the one that, that pulled out the last minute and they were in the mix. Uh, I've, I've heard an interesting story about, um, uh, lightning motorcycles. Yeah. Trying to put together some Chinese investment to, to pick up Alta. The number I keep hearing is like 30 million. Uh, I don't know how it's true. 20, 30 I, I don't million know how, doesn't seem that big in Silicon Valley not really for a motorcycle <laughs> company like that. When you think about it, it's kind of interesting. Um, so at the end of the day, I think Alta's raised like 56 million. So 30 million is a bit of a discount on that. But um, I mean, there is, that's interesting. Really. Like you get to spend 30 million to, to get about $56 million worth of, of work. Right. It's not a bad deal. I don't know how much of that's ultra. That's just, People whispering in my ear, sending yeah. me text messages, industry gossip around the water cooler. That's all it is right now. It's just gossip. But it does worry me, Shaheen, that it's it's about to be January 2019, and we haven't seen anything happen with Halta. I didn't expect to see anything quick. I know there was, there was talk on the internet that KTM was going to buy them like a week after they shut their doors. Right. And you can look at that and objectively know that it's false. Yeah. Because there's no way a company does due diligence on a thirty million dollar investment in seven days.
1: No, there's. I mean, there's it just no doesn't way. happen. Unless but, it was, again, unless it was something that was spoken about before, which proves a point. It takes more time.
0: But it does take like a couple months. It doesn't take five months. It doesn't take six months. No. Um. So you know, as the clock ticks on, I get more and more worried that things are done. I'm, I'm starting to hear that some of um the bikes that were out to their influencers are getting taken back and Mm -hmm. there's um kind of like a repo thing going on so there's kind of that doesn't bode well let's just say that
1: no i just you know they're just trying to liquidate what they had it seems like yeah so that that is one of the
0: most unfortunate stories of of the year and and then throwing that too uh modus motorcycles closed down and you know that surprises me less because that's, that was a tougher ask of the marketplace. Sport touring market. Right. Isn't huge. The $30,000 motorcycle market isn't huge. Then you throw in all the, t- the, the trouble of having to start a business, build a dealership network, right. prove a design, go through all the development on the product and, and bring it to market and all those
1: things. That's hard enough on its own, right? Um, Motus so, was probably one of the coolest bikes I've ever seen or been on. And Did you get to ride it? Yeah, I got to ride one. Okay. Um, the What I wanted to see Modis do was sort of the same thing that the smaller, you know, sort of coach builder style motorcycle companies do. Keep it small. Keep it in-house. Keep it, you know, super special because you're asking $30,000 for a bike that you can go out and spend half the price and get equal performance.
0: You know, that's the thing that's hard. And that's that's one of the things I wrote about was, you know, a great example would be you can go out and buy a Super Duke GT. Yeah. Which looks a little different than a Motus and and you know whatever, but you sit on but, it. Basically
1: the same, similar idea of like right. this is a
0: touring bike that has a lot of sport bike DNA in it. Yep. And G- Super SuperDuke GT is not cheap. It's it's almost twenty grand, but it has traction control and cornering ABS and yep. wheelie control and yep. an IMU and a big TFT dash and does it have cornering LED lights? I don't remember. Um, I know the but, adventure but, does but so. I mean it's got no shortage of whistles and bells and that was always the thing that was a little hard with me with the Modus MST platform you've got a motor that's really raw that's got a lot of torque it's, it's kind of scary it kind of scares me like in the same way that my Street Fighter scares me you're like yeah you whack the throttle the wrong time oh yeah you're going into the air yep you're gonna get that thing's gonna put a can of whoop ass on you Um, but it didn't have really the same level of sophistication they're a very interesting dash you could actually find pick up the uh, shop manual was in the dash on the modus. <laughs> so you could do like roadside repairs really easily. But I think that business plan was so kind of reliant on the American push rod muscle car yep. motor thing. Oh, and it sounded so good, which really just didn't translate over to motorcyclists. No, no. Like I like my, I like American muscle cars. I'm right. into it, but like that's a kind of a separate part of my brain than my motorcycle brain. Yeah. It's still kind of in the gearhead region of the brain, in that,
1: in that hemisphere, but it's a different lobe. It's The, the buyer for that bike was going to be the same 50-something-year-old dude that could finally afford to buy a Mustang Shelby 350, right? If you've got that kind of money to throw around. But again, a lot of these buyers aren't, you know, they're going to do their homework. They're going to do their due, due diligence and say, yeah, this is super cool and super exclusive and super this and super that. But yeah, I can go to the KTM or I can go to Ducati. Or go to BMW.
0: Well, here's here's something. I, I don't know if I believe this or not, but it was an interesting idea that I postulated that I'm still kind of chewing on. I think what's causing Harley to have to do an about-face on its business model is the same thing that kind of killed Modus, where you look at like, hey, the baby boomers are dying out. Yep. This generation of motorcyclists is dying out. Those those old white men, because that's who they are, yep. who were into the whole muscle car scene are, are leaving. Yeah. You know, you and I are probably just old enough to still kind of like, yeah, muscle cars. Yeah. Old Camaro, old yeah. Mustang. Yeah. Old Corvettes. You know, yeah. El Camino. I actually know what an El Camino is. I know how to drive stick shift. There's an entire <laughs> generation of motorcyclists that doesn't have that connection. Or there's all, or we could say there's an entire generation of automotive, automotivist. Ka- carists? Car, car, car enthusiasts. Car enthusiasts. Oh, that's too big. There's a whole entire generation of car enthusiasts that don't know how to drive stick shift, that don't know what a push rod V8 is, that don't know what a carburetor is or how to work on one that has no like mechanical inclination to get under the hood and tinker around, which is what part of that hot rotting muscle car movement was all about. So you're, you're missing the incoming generation and you're, you're building your business on the tail end of the baby boomer, baby, the baby boomer generation, you know, falling off into a cliff. And that's a hard ask too. And that's and that's another thing we like. Like I've been on the investment side before. When you look at a company that come across like, oh, we're going to sell things to baby boomers, and you're like, you mean the people that are dying? Yeah,
1: the ones that aren't buying anymore. Cool. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: Next idea. So that that starts getting hard when you're like going around trying to shake money out of trees, and you're just like, well, like you're trying to sell a really expensive product in an industry that's not doing very well to a demographic that is aging out of that industry. And the people replacing them really have no connection to the special sauce that you're offering. Exactly. And you want my money. How?
1: Yeah, it's interesting That's to tough. see the hot rod side of the industry slowly fizzling away because you use an interesting word there. You called them enthusiasts, but you said they're not into the mechanically inclined parts. They don't know how to drive stick shift. They don't appreciate the sound and the the, the feelings that comes comes along with that. And that doesn't make them less enthusiastic. I think they're still enthusiasts, but in a lot of people's minds, you're not an enthusiast if you yeah. do not. And I think that
0: right there, what you just said, is what the motorcycle industry is missing right now, yeah. where it's like, oh, you mean you're not into changing your oil every five miles <laughs> right. and you don't like chain drive and you don't want to have the wind blowing in your hair? What kind of
1: motorcyclist are you, boy? Yeah. And you're like a uh, completely different kind. Yep. Exactly. That group of Tetris. Still want to play with the thing, as in I want to turn I, it on and go and do the thing I want to do. I get but a completely I also know how thing. to turn a laptop on enough without yelling at it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the files are inside the computer. Oh, okay. What? Um, no, I think I think you just hit the nail on the head. And the unfortunate part for me is when I look at Modus, like Lee and Brian are super good guys. Like they're they're some of my favorite dudes. Amazing to sit down people. And, and I love talk, those
1: guys. Talk
0: bikes with. Yep and i think that i would wager a high percentage of the bikes they sold are because those owners got to know lee and brian are like yeah yeah these guys are rad i want to be a part of this you were
1: buying part of the company every time you bought that yeah
0: so hopefully i think i really hope they come back into the industry and and come up with another cool idea um maybe they had
1: such a cool looking bike at koda the street fighter oh my god yeah Oh, they they fired it up for us. They let us sit on it and rev it, and it was like this is what a modus should be. Yeah. Forget that sport touring thing you guys are working with. Build a badass fire breathing street fighter.
0: They had some cool shit. They had some cool shit going on. There's there's a lot of like, uh, in my mind with that because there's some cool what ifs. Like, oh, I can't wait to see that at right. you know, that debut and all this stuff. And I was talking to them a bit about the street fighter bike, and that seemed really rad. But again, I mean the same thing. If someone, my with my investor hat on. Jensen, I'd like to make a $30,000 street, you know, sport bike motorcycle yeah. that does yeah. this. I'm like, oh, you mean the, the segment in the industry that's getting smaller and smaller and smaller? Right. It's tough. You the, know that, the
1: e-bikes are going to be the next thing. It's very
0: tough. Um, It's a very tough industry to make a startup in because, truth, because the market's just very challenging.
1: Very. So I've got one other really cool thing that I, I actually, I remember you wrote about also, but uh, let's talk about one of the coolest stories of 2018 being a female motorcyclist champion. That was awesome, man. I, I the thing that I want to see and 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 is is more female motorcyclists, more female motorcycle enthusiasts, and hopefully uh, an industry that starts to cater to them without having to make everything pink. So you're talking about Anna Carrasco. correct?
0: Who won the World Supersport 300 series, right. which it was a really interesting series and you know i think a lot of people will, are gonna want to like put like an asterisk on it like oh you know because the form because they changed that formula in that series all the freaking time they're changing it almost race to race which made it really difficult but you know what you go and you look at anna's results that girl won out of sheer consistency i believe she won two races outright at least mm-hmm. one but she won that race out of consistency. And you know what? That's how you win a championship. So is, say whatever you want to say, but that is 100% how you win a championship. I think it's really cool to see that that's going on and, and to see that starting to turn the corner. Um, we're seeing a lot more women in motorcycle racing now. We're seeing a lot more young girls coming up through the sport, especially in the off-road area. Right. I feel like it's kind of a cool thing now to be a girl on a dirt bike. Um, I look at some of the industry events that... Uh, are going on and they're kind of uh i would say more cruiser heavy but what i like to see though is that you're seeing a lot of them like like the girls are doing flat track racing Mm -hmm. they're doing kind of scrambles and stuff so they're kind of got that off-roady it's still a heritage vibe it's still got that kind of like you know what i like to call post authentic thing going on right but you know what if it puts asses in seats i'm fine with it if it grows the female ridership i'm fine with it and i think you know, Anna's victory this this year is a great example of like you know we're sl- starting to see some reward for the time that we've putting putting into getting women into the sport. Yeah, and it wasn't too long ago that I was sat at dinner with uh, an industry CEO, and I said the name's not Bob, but I'd be Bob. If I could tell you a way to double your sales, would you be interested in that? Start selling bikes to women. Start marketing towards women. Start. Yeah, women already make the majority of consumer. Especially high, uh, ticket value consumer purchasing decisions. Absolutely. So, you know, in a way, you're already selling to the woman in the first place. So now just be more direct about it. Yeah. Make,
1: and, make a product that is friendly to the female rider, whether it has to do with the size of the vehicle or I don't know if it's a product issue.
0: I think it's a brand issue. I think it's a perception issue. It's
1: a, it is a perception and brand issue and a marketing issue. Women in motorcycling have been for the longest time used as the sex appeal of riding a motorcycle. Right. Right. It's like anytime I see a picture of like a guy and a girl next to a motorcycle and like trying to insinuate the fact that if you have a motorcycle, you're going to get more, you know, female attention as a male rider. First of all, bullshit. Everyone that talks to me about my motorcycle is a guy. Yeah,
0: no, for sure. <laughs> so stop
1: treating them like that. <laughs> which I
0: love because I think a lot of guys buy motorcycles to meet women.
1: No, it just and makes, In reality,
0: is like, no, you're going to meet a lot of guys. Yeah. I never had a, I've never had a woman come up to me like, Oh, cool bike, right on. What do you got? What do you got? Oh, it's a Ducati. Oh, oh what is that? Oh, what, what tires are you running? Oh, oh, you got, oh, what helmet is that? No, it's a dude. It's always 100% it's, like, it's a dude. It,
1: it, it happens, but it's like not the thing. It's not, it's, so I think the marketing has to change. I think the product Needs to change a little bit, not that much. But you're right. The perception and the marketing of it is what needs to ultimately change. It's good for the industry. There's nothing bad about it for the industry. Not even a little bit.
0: That's the thing though. But the the funniest thing, and I think the biggest pushback is that if we let women into the clubhouse, it's gonna ruin the club.
1: Yeah, as long as we look at it as a clubhouse, it's gonna ruin the club anyways. Yeah. The the original that's the members point, of the right? club are all old folks who don't ride anymore.
0: You don't need a special jacket. You don't have to have a secret handshake. I mean, you can if you really want to. Just show up on a fucking bike and I'm (laughs) cool with it.
1: That's it. That's that's it. That is truly it. It's interesting. I I think because of uh, the way, you know, the algorithm and Instagram and Facebook works, because most of my posts on my motorcycle uh, Instagram is based on adventuring and sport bike riding, I'm seeing a lot of female adventure riders and dirt bike riders uh, that are genuinely talented, fearless riders that are out there riding around the world doing crazy uh, uh, dirt biking stuff that I I have no idea how they're, not they as females, but they as people are doing. So uh, I think the marketing side of it keeps wanting to show people the cruiser side because you can, I guess, show the sexy side of motorcycling with cruisers. But my Instagram feed is full of these badass female riders uh, that ride dirt bikes and sport bikes and big adventure bikes, big BMWs.
0: The thing that's interesting for me, like, if you want to start, like, painting with generational brushes, which I really don't like, but let me do it for a second. If you want to start painting the millennials as, as, like, having a particular thing, like, experience over right. possessions is right. a huge thing. We're seeing, right. like, a rejection of home ownership. We're seeing a rejection of car ownership. We're seeing a rejection of general traditional ownership of stuff. And instead it's like, it's subscription based. Yep. Like, oh, I have Netflix instead of a cable company, or or <laughs> right. I take Ubers or Lyfts, or I have some sort of, uh, car sharing service rather than owning a car i, right. I rent instead of own a house um, they're very experiential experience focused and i think and when i look at millennial media millennial creative media i should say about motorcycles it's not so much about like the person on the bike with the gear doing the thing it's about like where that bike is taking them like hey i went and Took my bike off road and went camping in this national park with it. Yep. Or it took me to this cool vista, or this waterfall, or this desert, or this forest, or whatever it is. And it's and it's it's more than just riding a motorcycle. It's an experience. Yeah,
1: It's that they the story of what you're doing,
0: doing on a motorcycle, and I think that's one of the things that the industry, in some cases, has gotten right, but also has gotten wrong. Like we call it lifestyle, like lifestyle stories. Yeah. And you're like, "Well, yeah, it's kind of lifestyle, but it's also like I don't think we're really doing like an effective thing like So we're here in the Pacific Northwest. Like <laughs> everyone here in the Pacific Northwest likes to go do forest shit. Yep. Where it's like, so why isn't someone being like, "Hey, you know what you could do like really well in the forest?" Right? Or, or you know how you could see like even more forest than you're seeing now?
1: Yeah. yeah. It's called a motorcycle. Yeah. It's yeah. a motorcycle. That crazy hill you have to walk up, you can just or, or it's just the it's the
0: difference of being ten miles into the forest versus hundred miles into the forest. Yeah. And guess how many fewer people you're going to see hundred yeah. miles in versus ten miles in versus one mile in. I mean, like that's like I just did like standard deviations of difference.
1: No, and that's a uh, you know that that's that's another thing that the motorcycle industry should, could sort of work on. You know, learn about your different parts of the world and market to them. Right? If you're living in Florida, yeah, cruiser's the way to go. It's a bunch of flat, boring roads if you live in the pacific northwest yes we have all these beautiful pieces of land that are accessible legally that you can go and enjoy and what does it take it takes a dirt bike it takes a dual adventure a dual purpose bike an adventure bike pick your poison yeah so yeah. there again i think what we're the thing that i keep hearing us say over and over again is that the motorcycle industry in order for it to grow and succeed it needs to be it needs to be proactive in this stuff and there's just a bunch of, at least from my my seat, when I look at it, it just seems like everything they do is reactive, and it's literally a decade too late every time they do it.
0: Yeah. I just saw the next wave of um, AMA board members
1: was, was elected, and you sit there and just like, oh, okay. <laughs> Let me guess. A bunch of old white men.
0: Oh, a bunch of old white men.
1: Yeah. They know a lot about everything.
0: Um, and you just sit there and you like, great. Or was it AMA or was it M I C?
1: I was one of the two, but you sit there and
0: just like, oh, both. great. So you're, well, there's a couple of things I could say, but you just sit there and it's like, <laughs> I can see why you guys are stuck behind the times.
1: Yeah. Cause you you're know? picking a bunch of people who are stuck like, behind like the
0: I, times. I, I literally look at the leadership. I'm like, yeah, I know why we're all fucked up because I know what that person's philosophy on life, the universe and everything is. And it's, it's very different from my
1: own. Let's just say it that way. Super duper different. And that, that is the lesson to learn hopefully for 2019. It really is my hope. It really is my hope that we're going to get fresh blood somehow involved with it. That's that's honestly one of the biggest reasons why I wanted to get on this podcast with you. Imagine we start talking about this stuff and even if half the people that agree with us start talking about it and it hopefully has a ripple effect and it keeps going out and the voice becomes bigger and louder and more prominent. That's what it's going to take to make any changes to this stuff. So even those old white dudes that are in the seats at the MIC or AMA, they're going to be forced to finally do a little something about it. Otherwise, this business as a whole is going to die. And once it does, those dudes are out of a job.
0: Yeah, I don't think they realize that. Um, um, let's let's flip it. Let's, fin- let's finish strong with a positive. Tell me your Go. favorite motorcycling thing you did this year.
1: My favorite motorcycling thing I did this year was, uh, there's several, but my absolute favorite one is my annual big trip. Um, A dear friend and I, Jonas and I, we did this really cool ride where we hopped up on our bikes, packed up everything, and we decided to ride across the the wild, wild west, as we called it. So we took off from Portland, rode out to Denver, really fast, just along the highway, and then just kind of zigzagged our way through Colorado, Utah stopped at the Grand Canyon to watch a sunset and then Vegas to swim at a pool and then come back home. And this was a a little over a 4,000 mile ride where we got to experience a whole bunch of stuff from heat to cold to crazy winds to just insane beauty in this country to being exhausted, to being happy, to laughing, to wanting to cry. And I love doing that. Every year I try to do one big trip and it helps you to bond with everything around you. It helps you talk to complete strangers, which is, I, I love doing that. Anytime I'm on a motorcycle, I talk to complete strangers. They want to they wanna know what the hell is wrong with you. Why are you on this two-wheeled bike with these giant boxes behind it going across the country? You know they have cars, right? So I love doing stuff like that and talking about it and reading about it and writing about it. Uh, just because when you're on a motorcycle, and everybody that's listening to this probably already knows this, you you get to see the world for what it truly is, it, and it and it's beautiful and it's brutal and it's you know everything in between, but you really get to be in it because you have no choice. Because on a motorcycle, you're you're just sitting in it. Whereas when you're in a car, you're you're sort of blocked off from it. You know your senses are sort of blocked off with the windows and the roof and everything. So Jonas and I got to really experience everything from fine cuisine to shitty you know <laughs> uh, off the highway cuisine to Seeing dinosaur tracks to getting heat exhaustion and getting to be in 32 degree temperature going over Monarch Pass in Colorado and camping out in the middle of nowhere and, you know, waking up to deer staring at us. Like, w- what are you guys? What are you doing here? So that was my favorite thing. 2018, that was my highlight. And I'm hoping to do something equally big, if not bigger, in 2019. Yeah. Uh, I did something even, you know, just as big in 2017, where I rode my motorcycle from Portland to Cabo San Lucas and back. And we call it the, the margarita ride. We just got there, drank some margaritas, swam around and came back home. But again, in Cabo, uh one of the guys that rode with us said it perfectly. They say when you fly from your city to Cabo and get picked up by a car and get taken to the, you know, the hotel, you get to see the Cabo they want you to see. But when you ride your motorcycle through Baja and get to experience the people and experience the food and experience the surroundings there, you get to see the Baja you should see. And it's beautiful. So that's what I got. How about you? Yeah. What was um, your what was your highlight?
0: I got to go to Africa twice, which was really cool. So I haven't done that. Riding in Morocco, uh especially driving adventure bikes in Morocco was was super rad. Um really interesting country. Earth there, the rock is so red. Like whenever we saw something green, it looked like it glowed. Really? Just because like your eyes get used to seeing everything that's red and they're, you know, adversary adversarial yeah. colors or whatever the term is. So that was very, that was very interesting for me and, and, and a really cool experience. And then I got to just like a couple weeks later, go down to South Africa and, and ride at Kailami. Oh, which I think might be one of my favorite racetracks in the world. Like Phillip Island
1: is oh. kind of like oh. my number one. And there's like days where I go like,
0: I think Kailami
1: might be better than Phillip Island. What no, was it about Kailami that makes your skin tingle so much? Well, they just re- they just redid
0: it, so it's it's really nice. It's it's got fresh asphalt, everything's painted up, it looks good. I think they're they're looking to host. There was talk of World Superbike. Um, I think they picked up a different contract, but they're they're getting ready to kind of be another World stage. But the layout of the track has a little bit of everything. It's got a lot of elevation. Oh. It's got a bunch of different turns. It's got a little bit of something for everyone there. It flows really well, um, and it's just it's just enjoyable to ride. It's just it's just a really fun track to ride. A lot like how Phillip Island is. Phillip Island flows really well, and one turn leads into the next, and you can kind of just you just get that groove. It's I don't understand surfing, but when I hear surfers explain surfing to me, <laughs> this yep. is how I think of like yep. tracks like like Kyle Ami and Phillip Island. Where I'm like, yeah, you just kind of get in the flow of things. You get in the moment of it, and you're just it's just you and the bike having a really good time. So that was that was quite enjoyable. What bike did you get to ride in Kailami? Uh, I rode a few different bikes. But this rode, was a tire thing, wasn't it? It was with Pirelli, yeah. So okay. I rode the and then Morocco was with Bridgestone, so they're both tire events, which is interesting. Um, at Kailami, I rode a Panigale V4, MV Agusta f 3800 Yamaha R1, and a Super Duke
1: 1290R. So you got to du- you got to ride a bunch of really cool bikes and a Yamaha R1. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah, I did. I really that was one of the things where I was like, there, I'm like. As much fun as I was having on all the bikes, I really wasn't having that much fun on the R1. That kind of comes back to the last episode where I was like, that's what I was saying. Like I get on R1 and it doesn't really do anything for me. And if it's not doing anything for me at a track like Kailami, then I'm like I don't know. I don't know what to say. Um, and then I got to do uh, I got to ride at ride Valencia. I'd been to Valencia a couple times before, but I'd never gotten to ride the track there. So I got to ride uh, there and do that uh, with the Panigale v4s launch. And then, um, I actually started the year off pretty strong. I had to go ride a Honda Goldwing in Texas. Dude. Which was, which is different. You actually, <laughs> you want to, you know, funny factoid. The number one red review this year on Asphalt and Rubber. Yeah. Was my Honda
1: Goldwing review. Really? Yeah. How weird is that? Uh, your, your readership's getting older. Mm. <laughs> no, actually, it was kind of cool though, cause I, I even read that. It was neat to see Honda change the gold wing after so many years and kind of go for a slightly smaller more aggressive gold wing you know it's it
0: one of the things that i said when when i went on that launch i'm not there yet i'm not that demographic i'm not that guy in my motorcycling evolution yet mm-hmm. but the thing about that bike is you sit there and you're like i'm not gonna buy one I'm not gonna buy one because i'm not that guy but if i had one I'd be totally cool with it yeah you know if one was in my garage you'd be like yeah Okay, yeah, I'm gonna ride that thing. If it's heavy, yeah. It's like a giant couch, yeah. I mean, they somehow managed to remove 30 switches from it because the old Goldwing oh, literally man, had like a hundred so switches. So many switches, you know. Like the Farkle issue is real, Um and there. I don't like the luggage side of it. I think the luggage is too small. But you know, at the end of the day, though, like if I'm sitting there going, "Like that's a pretty rad bike," if I had to buy a big touring bike. Is that I, it? I'm, I think I'm looking at that because I don't really like the K1600. They're okay. too top-heavy for me. They're they're just too a little unmanageable. Uh, I like what BMW brings to the table in terms of refinement and electronics and, and setup, but I think I'm getting that Goldwing.
1: Wow. Yeah. You've heard it here. Jensen Beeler would take a Goldwing over uh, a BMW.
0: Yeah, it's got some Pebble. I mean, we got a couple chances to ride that thing pretty hard. Did you wheelie it at all? No. I think you can. Uh,
1: not with the DCT, you can't. <laughs> oh, is that what you got to ride? So you got to ride the DCT, not the full manual?
0: Yeah. Um, trying to think going back in my brain, whether or not I rode the manual or not. Uh, I did. They had a, they didn't have very many manuals there. We were mostly a DCT crowd. I feel like that's a DCT kind of bike. It almost makes sense for that bike. I'm on the fence of DCT. The only time I like DCT is off road. Off road on the Africa Twin, really? it's great because it's truthfully it's like having a clutchless bike. It's like having an automatic. Yeah, you literally you literally can put it in an automatic. Um, so I like I like that because it it takes away a certain element of issue. Yeah, less in, to think about. Yeah, when you're off road and on road too, if if you know if that's your jam. I don't like, like, on the Honda Goldwing, the issue I had was during deacceleration, the way that it feathered the clutch and used engine braking was just really unnatural. Huh. And when you're doing that kind of, let's say, 15 miles an hour to almost a stop where, like, you actually have to start kind of minding the balance of the bike because, again, it's a That's big a bike. a lot of bike, you yeah. You it out on the back with all the bags. You know, you got to be very mindful where your center of gravity is. And just the way it kind of engages, it just I just didn't like it. Huh. It just it just kind of dragged a little too long. It gave a little too much engine braking. It didn't feather the clutch nearly enough. That I was just like, you know, I really just don't like how that it's engaging. And it's the same thing when you start. Um, it's just it's a little disconcerting, just the way that it it engages and goes. Whereas I want to be able to have the clutch, especially low speed maneuvers. I want to be able to have that clutch to kind of feather the power for me. Yeah. Because the input from the right hand isn't precise enough, that I need to modulate it with the left hand. If that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Whereas the DCT, I, all my, my only option is what the, it does in the right hand. Yeah. That's know, in the that. throttle hand. So that's my only real criticism of that. The the DCT on the Goldwing is the third generation, so it's it's definitely made some improvements over the, uh, the previous generations. Right. So that's it, coming along. It's an interesting technology. I think Honda's going to get it right eventually. So not too far off now but. it's
1: it's a, it's a pretty complete bike i mean when you look at it now it's it's uh it's insane how much they've kind of put into that package yes and the the fact that it's not bigger than it is is kind of amazing to me yeah uh, they lost a
0: lot of weight off that bike
1: it, it's i've seen it in person and, and i couldn't get over how much more slim it looked and anytime i look at one and kind of point at it and go that's kind of neat i get it uh you know my friends and my wife go what yeah. <laughs> what do you get about this thing? Uh, what's funny is on that big trip that I was talking about, we met a guy in Moab. Uh, we parked our bikes to go grab breakfast at a McDonald's, and we see a purple Goldwing parked there. And so immediately, you kind of assume what that person's going to look like. It's a purple gullwing Yeah. And uh, so we finished up, went outside, getting you know geared up to keep riding through Utah, and this twenty-something-year-old walks up to us and starts talking shop. Just, you know, about motorcycles and how you like your tires, blah, 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 kind of talking about everything. Clearly knows what he's talking about. And so I say, so are you on a bike too? He goes, yeah. What are you riding? Oh, that goal wing. There <laughs> like, you go. And I loved it. I was like, what made you get a goal wing? He said, well, I, I quit my job and I'm going to move across the country to the West Coast. And I thought, what better way of doing it than on a motorcycle? And so right before I left, I bought a goal wing. <laughs> I'm like, what made you pick a Gullwing? wing? He's like, have you seen it? Have you ever sat on one? What would I not want this thing for? Yeah. Cross country ride. I'm like, I got nothing to argue with you, man. It's a couch <laughs> with two wheels, man. Yeah, it's amazing. He was. That's what he said.
0: It's the most affordable car that Honda makes.
1: <laughs> it really is. It's probably the most fun car on the mix right now.
0: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting bike. So yeah, it was cool to it was cool to ride that, uh, get to experience it, and I got to ride a boat ton of really cool bikes this year, which is which is always a pleasure. And 2019, uh, no shortage of that. I'll be in the Canary Islands in a few weeks. Ooh, ride the new Hypermotard. Um, I've got the Indian FTR 1200 coming up pretty soon where are you going to do that? cannot Un- tell you Discl- sir undisclosed? cannot tell you sir dun, dun, dun. yes
1: I'm probably most excited about that in your future I'm super excited about that bike I don't know what it is about the it Indian? yeah every yeah. picture I see of that, of that bike makes me grin
0: well I got to ride the pre-production model the prototype yeah and I mean it's it's a bike I'm trying to wrap my head around like who rides it and, and what's it for but just as a as a platform as a machine like it's fun to ride it's fun to ride i don't know if i would buy one but again it's one of those bikes like oh, if it showed up in my garage i wouldn't feel bad about yeah, it it wouldn't, it wouldn't be wouldn't, wasting space nope um that motor they've done a really good job with that motor i think i think indians got to make one more step before like they've got like a real sport bike on their hands it's still got a little bit too much of that scout dna in yeah it, but man they're close and 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 truth be told maybe that's the right spot for this bike in terms of building that bridge out from the cruiser brand into yeah. a full house of brand a full branded house or whatever it is um so yeah uh, very 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 curious to see see what the future holds for that brand yeah
1: that should be a good one i'm i'm curious to see cuz i mean we saw what came out in Ikeyma and a lot of them were there was a lot of exciting bikes there but that one the first, again, it's a company that you're used to seeing do a certain thing, do something totally different, and I think that's what made me excited. You know, so so uh, they're they're still using a motor that they have already, sort of, but to see it, you know, well, it's get, an all
0: new motor, but it's it's based very closely off the sky. right? Yeah.
1: But it's going to be different. It's going to look different. It's gonna it's going to have to appeal to a whole different crowd, right? And I love that. I love. I, I'm super excited about that bike. It's not it's not the kind of bike that you would normally see me get excited about, but the concept of it, the idea of it and what they're trying to achieve with it. I'm, I'm, I'm on board.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll be very curious to see what the final, final form looks like. And, um, yeah. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we can get you on one, Shaheen. We'll see. I'd be into it. I'll yeah. Rock it out. Well, with that, sir, I think we will wrap up 2018. All right. I will see you in the new year. We will see our listeners in the new year. That's right. I'm excited for
1: 2019. Everybody go out and have some fun.
0: Uh, before you do. Yeah. If, You are listening to the show through the Apple podcasting service. Please leave us a review and rating. A bunch of you have already done that. I thank you from the bottom of my heart. Yes. Um, obviously we are uh, a newer show in the eyes of, of Apple, even though we have a bit of a history from the two enthusiast podcast. Um, so we gotta, we gotta do all the hard work all over again. If you're not already following us on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, you should do that. On Facebook, it is facebook.com slash Talk, Brap Talk. B-R-A-P-Talk. And then on Instagram, we are at Braptalk. So get on the social medias, come follow us. We're gonna post up my horrible, horrible design concepts for my Kramer, and you guys can leave feedback and pick your... We expect feedback. Your l- your most favorite of my, your, of my least favorite designs, or however we're going to say that.
1: <laughs> There's get on there. Talk about it. Talk to us about it. Let's get some chats going. I like the messages that I get. I, I like the emails that we read. Oh, yeah.
0: Uh, Webraptalk at gmail.com. That's right.
1: Yes. Chat with us in any way, shape, possible. I Ooh. love it. I love waking up to emails. It actually makes me happy. It just means I get to talk. I get to do what I'm doing right now, just in written form, which which is good for for the second language thing. Heck yeah, it is. I get to learn English. Uh, Shaheen, any advice for our listeners before we go? Uh, yeah, safety third, and make good choices.
0: All right, good talk. See you. Good talk. There. Bye. Um, Shaheen, I think for the big topic today, we were talking. We were. Let's try that again.